0: I I have to be the expert, and I'm not going to listen to other people's opinions because they're all threatening me. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Reader Beware. Uh, this week, we'll be talking through a very interesting article, which I encourage everyone to read. It's an article um, on Medium, posted by former President Barack Obama, and it's entitled How to Make This Moment the Turning Point for Real Change. Uh, we think this serves as a good springboard for conversation, um, which we'll, today we'll be discussing um, the recent uh, protests surrounding the death of George Floyd um, after he was Killed by a police officer. Um, It's been a very difficult week, I know, uh, for me and especially for other people around the the country, even more so than me. Um, And today, as we reflect on that murder, um, I think it'll be a a good opportunity for us to discuss a ton of different things, hopefully, not too many things. We want to stay focused, Um, but it'll be a good time for us to maybe sort of think through everything that's been happening. With you, our listeners, and uh, hopefully have a good nuanced discussion um, of not only police uh, systemic racism and police brutality, but but also um, how we can move forward out of this out of this horrible tragedy um, and this continued state of systemic oppression um, in a productive way. So, joining me today. We've got our usual panel of, of uh, experts, maybe not so experts, but <laughs> nevertheless people with interesting opinions. Uh, Alexis, how are you?
1: I'm good. I actually wasn't here for the last short one when you guys talked about coronavirus, which feels now like it was a lifetime ago. But <laughs> right. yeah, I'm glad to be here though now for this. We hopefully,
0: are glad to have
1: you. Hopefully because my presence, we don't go like too long because I bet we'll have trouble keeping it short (laughs) we could
0: talk all day and there's lots Mm. of conversations happening like this so it's a good reminder to just just keep having them with people in your life but it would be half the podcast it was or maybe a third without our (laughs) next guest not guest next person Zach how are you I'm good. Thank you for having
2: me, Mr. Host. Uh, I feel like these <laughs> mini-episodes have now become like our history of 2020. We got coronavirus, now this is going to be our uh, police brutality episode. Aliens will show up in July, and we'll do an episode on that. 2020, to <laughs> the banger start.
0: I'm thinking, uh, yeah, happy to have you, Zach. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be a, a climate disaster when hurricane season comes around, in and- the annihilates the east coast. So we'll
1: see. We'll see, see. what happens.
0: But uh I'm scared. He's not joking at all. Like he's so serious. He
2: is serious. <laughs>
1: <easier>. Completely
0: <laughs> serious. What's the tropical storm that's about to hit um, the East Coast? I think there are a state of emergency declared in two
1: states maybe. Are you serious? Yeah. That's how yeah.
2: bad, like that's how stuffed the news is right now. I don't I not I haven't I hadn't heard that. Yeah.
0: Tropical <laughs> storm of crystal ball. For the Gulf Coast.
2: So yeah, next next month, uh,
0: tune in for that episode. <laughs> Don't forget to tune in for uh, this year of global catastrophes. All right. So, uh, does anybody want to start us off? I I I'm sure all of our listeners have have paused their podcast and have gone and read this short article, but uh, that's linked a- in the description below. Of course, of course. Supposedly,
1: it's only a four-minute read. Also, that's what Medium says. Four minutes, so read it.
0: Not bad at all. Very important. Anybody have a What was your question? (laughs) (laughs) I don't.
1: I don't even know.
2: I I would like, not that my opinion's the most important, but um, Alexis, you want to set it up, or do you want me to set it up? I'd like you to. You want me to set it up? Okay. Thank you. Um, So Obama has written this article on Medium. Uh, Please read it uh, because the conversation, I'm sure, will make a lot more sense in in doing so. But it kind of discusses the wave of protests and also the ideas that Obama Obama has um, to create long-term change. It's very specific to his perspective. I think if you follow things that he's written or said over the last four years, dating even back further, like when he was president campaigning for president, I think it tracks with a lot of the strategies that he's employed politically over time. And, and what I mean by that is it's, it's pretty measured. It's very specific to the things that he thinks can actually occur within the world we exist. Um, and, it, and it's very specific in terms of the policies that he's advocating for and where he thinks that our political engagement can make the most difference. Uh, Obama's perspective is that protests um, are kind of to, to shine the light on injustice and to make powers that are in control uncomfortable. But at some point, those aspirations have to be translated into specific laws and practices. And so he he goes on to discuss that, one, voting is very important, but the elected officials who matter most in police brutality and in the cases of civil injustice um, are the state and local levels. Um, It's mayors and county executives who appoint most police chiefs and negotiate collective bargaining agreements with police unions, DAs and state attorneys that decide whether or not to investigate and charge those involved in police misconduct. So ultimately, the the, the kind of action that he advocates for beyond protesting is looking at those local politics and looking at the local level to make change. Um, he, he also goes on to talk about how every law enforcement agency is different and every region is different. And that... You know, some might need minor tweaks if they have a pretty effective police department that is very community um, aware, and some that might need major overhauls because their their department is um, systemically flawed and potentially broken um, in in various ways. So, and then finally, he advocates uh, for some ideas that are in the leadership conference on civil rights and human rights uh, report and toolkit. Uh, that toolkit is interesting, and I'd like to talk more specifically about it at some point, but. That's the last thing that he kind of advocates for in terms of um, what's in the article overall. Is that a good setup?
0: Yeah, that's a good setup. I think uh, my big takeaway was that, wow, Obama really believes in governance and the political system to resolve Mm -hmm. a lot of these problems. And um, I think that's, I think I kind of come down um, on that same path too. I think it's a very measured response that I think a lot of a lot of people from across the political spectrum can usually get on board with like oh well people need to vote for the people who you know take support and who will make these changes Um, and you know I haven't been alive for very long just a full disclaimer but uh, it seems like how change happens is oftentimes truly on this institutional decades-long level of, of changing work culture, of changing the culture of communication around certain topics that just gradually changes big systems over time. It's rare that you, know, you get a new president or a new governor or mayor who just radically changes everything. And you see huge differences in statistics of, um, in this case, policing and violence, but other things like the economy um, social services just overall well well-being it's rare that you see you know this huge swing from like one massive political protest or something like that so i think obama definitely he walks the line of you know um, he, he talks about the motivations for violent rioting he talks about um, you know he, he's just got a great way of, of sort of drawing a common thread through everything and saying like governance is the way that we solve this so i guess my question for you two is like, um, do you think that his, his solution to the problem is a good one? Or maybe that's getting too far ahead of ourselves. Maybe we should kind of like, before we have that conversation, I want to ask like, how are you thinking through the problem that exists right now? Are you thinking that it's um, sort of this intractable problem that we'll never truly get over? Or are you encouraged by the recent events of, like, yes, we can make change and there's a lot of impetus to do so after these protests? Are, are you are you nihilist? Are you optimistic? How are you two thinking about this?
2: I'll, I'll answer that, but I was going to let Alexis answer first. You want to take a second to think?
1: Yeah. All right.
2: I think I'm currently taking an optimistic approach about the current moment. Like, I think that there's certainly some things that are concerning short term. But overall, I think the fact that protests have gone on in so many different places and in so many different communities and have sustained for weeks now, not not just days or a day, for, for me, that's encouraging. I think that that indicates a different level of cultural awareness that, than we had on the issue of police brutality against minorities, even as far back as 2014, or even as recent as 2014, I don't think that it it was as pervasive in terms of the people that were understanding the messaging and on board with the movement. I also think that it's positive because when you have that level of cultural, I I also, um, back up a little bit, another interesting thing is I've seen a lot of like apolitical and and even people that lean conservative speak out on this issue in a way it's a little bit instagrammy and trying to get the likes but but they're actually putting some political capital on the line by saying no i am i do think that this is wrong and has been wrong and that there's change that needs to occur so i'm encouraged by what you see in terms of the culture i'm discouraged by how aggressive police have responded to the situation i'm, I'm discouraged by the beating of an australian journalist i'm discouraged by the you know, pushing of elderly folks and the um, like really aggressive tactics that police have chosen to use in certain instances. However, I think that that's going to be short-term pain for long-term gain. I, I do think that people are in a spot now that they're more willing to vote um, for individuals that will support those specific reforms. I think Snoop Dogg said he's going to vote for the first time ever um, as a result of some of this wow. stuff. And so I, I, I'm encouraged that the, the culture will lead to political and um, institutional reform. And and I think that I take the perspective that you take and Obama takes is that you need that institutional reform to create that long-term change. Then um, we, can, we can continue to talk about that. But I think I'm optimistic. I, I think this is good. I think that this indicates things are changing. Whereas in the past, it was like people weren't listening. Like in Ferguson, you, you had protests, but they weren't as pervasive. They weren't in as many places. And- the media treated them differently. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Instagram influencers weren't supporting it. You know, NASCAR drivers, the NFL didn't apologize, right? Like Roger Goodell literally apologized for how he's the NFL commissioner, if you don't know, but he, he apologized for the, how the NFL treated Colin Kaepernick when Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee to protest the anthem. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm like, oh, no, there's like things are happening here as opposed to in the past where it was just kind of feeling yeah. like you were shouting into the void.
0: Yeah, and I hear what you're saying. You're not you're not saying any of the, the the tragedies are a good thing. You're saying the response to these tragedies has gained a lot of, of traction, and that's a really good sign for the future. Definitely. Yeah. What do you think, Alexis? How are you? Are you are you encouraged by the past couple weeks, or are you discouraged?
1: Um. I'll put it in terms of optimism versus pessimism, because I think that's more important than my personal feelings of demoralization. But I'll say that I'm cautiously optimistic for a lot of the same reasons that um, Zach talked about. One reason why I'm cautious is that I fear that some people who are out there protesting and whose intentions are very good, who are holding up signs that say Black Lives Matter, that they don't understand that that movement isn't just about, in fact, it's not about isolated instances of police brutality, from my understanding, but it is about issues with policing on a very broad scale on the institutional level. And I worry that some people who are out there might not understand that, and they might be just completely horror struck by the video, videos, rather, that they've seen. And I, I would hate to discourage anyone who is in that position, but would really encourage them to look deeper um, at the systemic issues and what scholars and academics uh, and Black leaders are actually saying about that as opposed to just keeping it on a more surface level. Um, as for the the stuff that Zach was talking about as far as like just participation, even just on social media, I mean, that is noticeable, whether it be celebrities or companies or even just like your random cousin or uncle who, who's participating for the first time. Um, and I do, I know that um, some of us disagree on like, social media and and what that even means, but I do think that people like Taylor Swift and Billie Eilish and Ariana Grande, if they say, hey, guess what? You know, these are the states who are voting today, make sure you go out. Or even more specifically, um, Taylor Swift like specifically um, said who she was voting for in Tennessee and that person won. I mean, I I think that there is, I I think it's kind of unfortunate that those people have such a large platform, but that is just kind of the world that we live in. And uh, young people are notoriously bad at turning out. And we also tend to be the ones who like use social media generally. Zach, I know you don't use social media the most. And uh, I mean, like Billie Eilish specifically, she's so young. And a lot of the people who listen to her music are super, super young too. And I'm encouraged by how it hasn't just been a day or two for them, um, and they really are doing their best, like, sharing books and articles and um, places they're saying, like, I've donated to these places, you should too if you can, um, and then on the flip side, though, the companies that are doing it, I definitely, I guess it's it's not bad that they're speaking out, but I definitely am, critical that they're actually doing anything. I think it's probably- skeptical
2: of their motivations. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's probably just capitalism and they want to do the thing that's popular. And I hope that they're putting a lot of money. Like I've gotten certain emails like from Uber and different companies, like we're pledging this amount of money. That's cool. Um, But I guess that doesn't encourage me as much as like the individual people that we've seen participating who haven't before. I mean, I think that really just speaks for itself.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, that, that's awesome. I, uh, I know. Also On the political
2: level, I'm sorry, I just wanted to add one last thought is like, you, like even up, up the chain of conservative politicians, like the worst argument being, were, um, let me couch this, if you look at the political like spectrum of ideology, you have even some like pretty conservative individuals that are out there going like, no, George Floyd was murdered, that was fucked. Like that individual instance of police brutality and violence was not okay. Like, Tom Cotton, the president said that, for one, and he's got a lot of other problems in terms of how he's engaged and, like, called for, you know, looters to be shot and whatever. Like, he's horrible, right? But even that guy acknowledges that the George Floyd death is unjust. Tom Cotton acknowledges that the George Floyd death is unjust. Former President Bush, you know, Mitt Romney, like, these are not hyper-leftists. These are people that are pretty solidly Republican. And so I think the political response also gives me some cautious optimism and I think that's the right framing because a lot of times you get through the initial and and maybe you kind of forget and the laws don't get passed that you thought were going to get passed but I am cautiously optimistic because even at that level of the people that I disagree with in terms of how they're responding we can find some level of agreement on the flashpoint right Um, I
1: I worry that because I've seen a lot of people too that I wouldn't think they're like oh yeah George Floyd was was murdered but if you are only talking about George Floyd, and you're not talking about Breonna Taylor, and you're not talking about the countless other people, Philando Castile. I mean, it's literally like so many fucking names. I'm almost sick of saying the names because it's too many so to so frustrating. Because even saying the names, we've been doing that and nothing has changed. So if you're only outraged about George Floyd, guess what? You're the fucking problem.
2: Yeah, and for I'll sure. say that I just- to anyone.
1: Like, it and <clears throat> I mean, oh my God! I think like all I I'm trying
2: to say is that the it's these guys weren't saying this that Michael Brown was murdered in 2014, and so like they're they are part of the problem in terms of like how they're advocating now, but they've made some movement that's political for sure. It's political calculus, um, but like they're they're saying different things, right? Like I, I don't disagree with that. I, you're totally right, and, and it's abhorrent to see. A, a focus on like oh this was one bad apple because that's not the case but I don't know like I think that it is a different response than we saw from Tom Cotton in 2014. Yeah
0: yeah um just to focus maybe be a bit uh, pedantic the whole like one bad apple thing it's like I'm pretty sure the end of that phrase is one bad apple spoils a, a lot like yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> is that like one bad apple can make everything horrible and bad so people are like ah let's not get upset over a couple of bad apples it's like the whole phrase is saying this is a huge problem we (laughs) should
2: be upset about it yeah
0: (laughs) bad apples are the problem but um you know i think i think we also need to make some room for people to to grow and like get educated um because you know maybe this was the video or like the event that like wakes a lot of people up of like hey like I don't usually think about this sort of thing suddenly there's 10,000 people marching by my window and it's like hmm maybe I should like get educated about this Um, I think that like sure we could call them out for not being educated in the first place and a lot of education is the problem and maybe like you know but I, I don't think now is the time to like condemn people for being upset only about George Floyd's murder. I think it's the time to say like, Oh, you're upset about this. We'll wait until you hear this information. And this should like really make you upset. Like, um, but yeah, some. I, I that think being that said, I is could... justified, but maybe not the best, like moving forward. I, I can
2: understand being upset at somebody for that reaction, but I do think that it's probably an opportunity to like, explore more of that conversation and hopefully help them see like no this is pervasive and systemic and has been going on for a lot longer than this one guy in this one instance right so i I think i i hear that but but on the flip like i could understand like i understand the idea that like no i'm gonna like f that dude like the emotional response too can can be a limiting factor in how you engage with with people i think i don't know if that's the right way to say that
0: is that fair like
1: I'm not as optimistic that most people are doing the work that you suggest. I do feel like way too many people are just saying like, oh, well, I posted something on Instagram and like maybe I signed a petition or something like, and that'll be the extent of that. Um, until like another super I don't even want to say super egregious because to me they all have been but I guess just as on the nose as you can possibly be as George Floyd's was um
2: and having it all recorded is like yeah oftentimes the most egregious ones aren't recorded right or, right They're all yeah anyway yeah so, so what so, do you think
0: like and what would you like to see um what would be the best case of of how people react?
1: The best case would be, in my opinion, that um, people are actually giving money to causes like um, the ones that we've kind of talked about that are, that are very well equipped from like a data and policy perspective to make the types of changes that are necessary for the institution as a whole to shift um, as far as like accountability and things like that, because the way that things are in the status quo, um, it's really hard for police officers to even be fired, um, because of the way that artfully, um, their contracts and stuff have been negotiated. So, um, things like that. And then also voting, of course. I mean, my number one thing is that if you really are concerned with, like, 90% of any social justice issue, then you need to be concerned with prosecutors and who, who the, um, district attorney is where you live, because I mean, they're everything. They're more powerful than judges. They're more powerful than police to a certain degree, not as far as like taking life, but, um, so that's like my number one thing. And, and I've, (laughs) that's coming from someone who is going to be a public defender and not a prosecutor. um, Because generally I think most of the culture surrounding being a prosecutor is very much. We are allies with the cops and like that is terribly problematic, but I know that there are a lot of quote unquote progressive prosecutors on the rise. And there are some DAs in different places that have done a pretty good job at affecting change and being harder on law enforcement and things like that. Um, but yeah, those are the things that I would want to change. It won't just be like momentary outrage or like you telling people that you're like, Oh, I was so upset about that. I cried when I saw it. Like, cool. We all fucking cried. That doesn't, so what? Like do something with that. You know what I mean? It just, it can't be temporary. And I fear that this is going to be temporary
2: can I ask a more nuanced question?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, what would, what do you, what, yeah. What do you think the optimal reaction is for, what is your optimal reaction for some white person who this is the first thing that really has woken them up? Because like I, th- I think that I don't disagree with a lot of that in terms of like those of us that are kind of aware of these social issues and social justice issues yeah, we mm-hmm. should be, yeah, we should put them running where your mouth is. Like donate to organizations, go out to protests, above all else, encourage your friends to vote, right? And go vote yourself for at the local level. But what do you what is like the the perfect reaction look like for somebody who really hasn't grappled with this? Like I know that I have conservative family members that haven't mm-hmm. and the first thing that they've seen and, and I know you do too to some degree. And so like yeah. and I'm not sure if that's exactly what Roder was asking, but I think that for me is the more Interesting question, because I think a lot of us will be on the same page that, you know, if you are aware of these issues and you see this, yeah, it outrages you and do something with it, right? But if you've never, if this is really the first time you're being aware of this and, you know, that's shocking to some degree, but also is po- true. Like people are just being woken up by this for the first time. Um, so I, I, I'm long-winded, but I'll pass the baton.
1: <laughs> I think my perfect reaction for a white person in that specific situation would for them to really lean into the fact that they have no idea mm-hmm. and that they truly really need to humble themselves and understand like if you don't understand get ready because there's a lot that you need to learn and i mean and that's not just for like white people i mean there th- i'm i don't know anything like personally like i'm learning all the time so uh, I but to answer your question, I think that that would be it. It wouldn't even be to jump on social media and and like do whatever. It would really just be like, wow, how how do what what is happening with this institution where four officers can be complicit in the murder of a man in broad daylight while he begs for his life and people record it. What is the state of this institution? How did this happen? What is the history? What's being done? What can be done? What are people saying about this who know more than I do? It's literally just a laundry list of questions. That's what should be happening.
2: Sounds like you're looking for like, and one caveat, not that that person's like response is the most important piece of this conversation, but um, that's that's an interesting
0: discussion. I was gonna jump in and, and Sam, um, I think I think sometimes, like, that response when a friend is just like, oh, I, like, cried when I watched that video. It's, like, trying to, like, prove that they are not racist or, like, mm-hmm. to prove that they care about the issue or, like, and I, I've, I've, like, felt that urge a lot of, like, you know, I don't post a ton on social media. I'm, like, trying to get a little bit more into it, but it's kind of intimidating because I've got lots of, like, you know, super liberal debate friends and I've got ultra conservative family friends and just like I've, I've sort of punted on all these issues like ah social media is a bad forum whatever I'll just like have more in-person conversations and then like pat myself on the back but it's like this feeling of like I want to support my friends and I like want to let them know that I'm on their side um and then also there's this idea I think Instagram operates through peer pressure a lot. It's like, well, I don't want to just bandwagon. And the whole thing with the black squares um, on Blackout Tuesday, like certainly came from like a good place, I think. But it was so, there wasn't any like centralized leadership. I didn't really know why people were doing it. Sometimes it was like, well, we want to limit content to elevate black voices. But suddenly the black squares were drowning out all of the Black Lives Matter Uh, Mm -hmm. content because people were using the wrong hashtag or they were crowding people out and there's just like I think on opposite sides there's like there's this paralysis that comes from I really want to do something and I feel outraged, but on the other side it's like this form of engagement isn't really the best and I might make a mistake and like I don't want to be attacked for making a misstep. And I think that's just an uncomfortable situation and I'm not excusing it because it's uncomfortable, but I think we can do a lot to make people feel uh, like uh, more motivated and like uh, comp- not com- comfortable is the wrong word, but like more like they can in good conscience, join a, a movement and take steps and feel good about that. Um, but I think Oftentimes, like the desire is just, I want to feel good about myself. Like I'm in, I'm in social distancing. Life has changed a lot. Like, I just want to feel good about myself. I want to be part of something. I want to like absolve myself of guilt, kind of. And I think that's the wrong focus because maybe to kind of go back on something I said earlier, maybe the focus isn't on like, what can I do to like make myself feel better or like make myself feel like I've done enough. It's just focus on the problem. There, there are people dying, and there's these huge problems that you're not going to be able to just like, just like wave your hands or like donate twenty bucks to a cause and say like I'm good and then walk away. Like that's such what, a difficult conversation. Spirit? Like how do how do you how do you sustain that level of agitation and frustration in people when, unfortunately, privilege means they don't experience the. The effect of that problematic system, you know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you sustain that level of discomfort in people who don't want to feel it and who don't have to feel it? I,
2: I I always, uh, yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, it's hard to engage with people that don't express the level of humility that Alexis identifies. Um, I think what she had previously said is kind of like an ask for humility for people that are just engaging with these ideas for the first time, asking questions, deferring to people to know more. If people aren't in that place, it's, it's really difficult, I think, to, to make progress. And it's extra difficult when you're trying to do that with words on a screen where everybody's got a megaphone and everybody's got an idea. Social media is like assholes. Everybody's got one and like everybody's able to express their opinions on it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that social media is like a less valuable form of engagement then a conversation with my, you know, face to face with somebody that I know is going to be uncomfortable by the things I have to say, but they know me on a more personal level. I, I hear you kind of like delegi- like pat yourself on the back, have more in-person conversation that almost delegitimizes that. But I think that that's effective. I think that's way more effective than trying to like change somebody's mind in a chat room or on a chat board like Facebook or in the Instagram comments. But I, I don't know. I, I think that. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm cynical and jaded about the forum, but I typically find it to be echoey. Like people that agree with you are gonna s- highlight your stuff and support it. And people that disagree with you and are uncomfortable by it, it's not gonna look at it. They're not gonna spend time with it and be uncomfortable by it. They're gonna either hide it or scroll past it. And so like, or they'll post a shitty comment because they think they're gonna change your mind <laughs> about the issue, you know? So I, I, I think that generally I, I bristle at finding, at like engaging, solely through social media. I think that's like less effective than other methods of communication or even like donating money, I think is probably more effective than like, you know, giving means to somebody who's out there on the ground, having those in-person conversations, but.
1: I think that where you're coming from, Rotor, is super valid and I don't wanna shit on people. Like I know I came across wrong when I said you're part of the problem if you're only outraged about George Floyd. And I do mean that, but I think for most people, they probably can at least recognize that there's a lot more to this. And opening up that Pandora's box is really scary. And you you kind of said, like, how do you help people sustain this agitation when their privilege protects them from feeling it? Well, in fact, I don't necessarily want everyone to um, – Bear that cross as the actual community does because guess what that community is experiencing racial weathering and they have higher rates of heart disease and stress related conditions that kill them. And that's why we see African Americans being disparately impacted by coronavirus is because they are also disparately impacted by stress related conditions that kill them. That's real. That's 100% real. So I don't want that for everyone. I don't want that for everyone. And I think people should go into this knowing that there's a lot of grief involved. And for me, a week ago, that's where I was at, was in grief. I couldn't really get out of bed. I didn't really want to talk to anybody. And I didn't even feel safe to go out and protest. Like, I was so scared, so scared of law enforcement, so scared of the very valid rage being felt by so many of our brothers and sisters. And I was just paralyzed, and I didn't really have the the clarity to remember that you know it would I would come out of it because I didn't even I literally was just like the world is ending like I don't even want to be awake I just want to go back to sleep Um, and I did come out of that and now only a week later like I did go out there because I did feel safe and um, got a little bit more informed about what it was actually like out there and um, but you I think you have to just understand that I don't really think anyone involved in the movement expects anyone to be on 100% of of the time because it is extremely hard on you, especially if you are someone who has made it decades on this earth, and that was me too. I mean, when we met at GCU, I was 19 years old and I didn't know about any of this stuff. Like some people make it decades on this earth and have no idea and it is a shock to the system. And I think you do need to prepare yourself in a way um, for that. And if you just try to go in like without tempering that at all, you're probably not going to last because you're going to realize, holy shit, this is terrible. It's terrible. And I don't want any part of it. It was easier and I felt better, you know, to just not be involved or engaged with this stuff. So I don't really want people to take it on in the exact – they couldn't anyway, but I don't want us to take things on in the exact way that, like, in this instance, the black community takes it on because they're literally dying. And it Uh causes intergenerational trauma that they literally pass down to their children. So I don't really want that for us um, we have to be alive. We have to be here to keep doing it. So yeah. I mean, I think
2: I said, yeah. And and it's to, to, to yes. And it's, it's tough to burn out or tough not to burn
0: out. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, I've recently been watching, uh, uh, church services from my church in Phoenix, uh, new city church. And, uh, one of the things that, their pastors preached on is like the need for the church to be with people when they're in pain and suffering like just be with people as mm-hmm. they suffer and like not shy away from those conversations and not run from those conversations like the whole idea that that jesus like died is pretty and he died intentionally is like pretty contrary and required a lot of humility and trust and and it required a lot of characteristics that we're not seeing in the mainstream of just like being in uncomfortable situations going and like just suffering with people and like being there with them in their suffering i think that's super important to like show empathy like you said humility and understanding you don't know everything about everything but our culture of maybe hyper masculinity or just like strength is like No, I like I I have to be the expert, and I'm not going to listen to other people's opinions because they're all threatening me, or easily, you know, using using terms to describe them that make their issues seem like nothing. One uh one particularly interesting example I think of of a corporation sort of like making a statement is uh, Call of Duty. Recently got the new Call of Duty game, and they have this this disclaimer. It's it's a whole update. And uh, it, it says, like, we're taking these steps to eliminate racist usernames. We're changing the amount of times you can change your username within a certain period. We're improving the ability for players to report racist behavior. And then they also, for every loading screen for every game, they have this statement about, like, our community is hurting. And they have Black Lives Matter up there, and they have a lot of uh, the Black. Um, imagery with the dark black lettering and the black background. Like, so while you're, loading, I mean,
2: while you're loading up to go shoot the Somalian terrorists, it says Black Lives Matter on the screen. Right,
0: right, yeah. And I mean, that's interesting. They have like, you know, different characters on different sides of a hypothetical battle. I'm, that, like, I was
2: just trying to be funny. I'm, <laughs> no, no, I think, I think that's a valid critique of like,
0: but here's why it's interesting. It's because I think their primary their primary demographic is like i mean i play it so uh, this is gonna be it's white dudes
2: in there yeah yeah (laughs) it's it's like an (laughs)
0: immature like dude who like loves you know like this fantasy of domination over other people and like shooting guns and stuff so i think that's interesting because this the recent few weeks is like percolating so far into everything that like almost every company is coming out with the state or something mm-hmm. that even in like this, oftentimes racist, homophobic, violent community, there are people taking steps to try to eliminate that behavior, which is wild. Um, yeah.
2: yeah, no, that is super interesting. I, and I think that like one thing in, to circle back to the article just a little bit um, in, in the toolkit that Obama, kind of kind of uses it as a starting point it was developed by the leadership conference on civil and human rights it it lists a cycle of change and i think that it's like particularly relevant to the conversation that we're having it has the cycle the, the steps of the cycle of change being one identify the problem two build your coalition three set goals four gather in, uh, information uh, five build a campaign six engage your stakeholders and targets Seven, evaluate the impact of your campaign. Um, and I think that like we have finally identified the problem. And that is true now across the board in terms well, not across the board, but that is true for so many more people than it was five years ago or two years ago. Like you said, Call of Duty, not the most liberal game out there. And it's historically <laughs> had like problems in terms of the the way the community engages with individuals. But even them, they're taking steps. And I, I feel like we've finally kind of gotten into this coalition phase of the cycle of change, just in the meta, right? And and we're probably headed towards goals, because I, I think that we could do a better job, or not, I, I say we, but I mean more kind of the organizing bodies and the people that control those levers could do a little bit of a better job right now of setting goals, but I'm not sure if we fully transitioned into that phase, right? But I think that it is an interesting um, way to like look at these movements and how effective they are. um, And kind of serves as a good framework of like how maybe to build your own local movement or be effective in that way. It's on, uh, so if you click out from the Medium article, Obama links to it, it's on page, um, it's on page 100 of the PDF uh, toolkit from the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights.
0: Yeah, thank you, Zach. Um, I think to take a very cynical approach, it would be interesting for uh, maybe people who benefit from discord and who benefit from this movement collapsing. um, If they were taking aim at it, I think they would seek to delay each step of that process, right? Starting at identifying the problem And maybe, you know, I was sort of positive earlier, maybe now I'll be a little bit negative. Um, I'm curious what, I I think we're seeing two levels of like control, right? One is the media and social media and internet and information. And the other is very real like police on the street using tear gas and riot shields and stuff. But after doing a little bit of reading about the the 2016 Trump campaign and sort of we're all aware that Russia routinely posts through botnets and through you know different surrogates online to try to seed discord in the United States on racial issues on political issues on everything i'm sort of I, it's very clear to me that someone who opposed the United States or who opposed unification over this issue would seek to make the problem very unclear, and say like, oh, it's way too complicated for anybody to understand, and sort of delay each step of that process. And I think we need to be aware of attempts to do so, or maybe people who are unaware that they're complicit in that problem. So there's this idea of like, yes, we can all be educated. Yes, we can all learn more. and Yes, we can continue to have conversations and grow as people. But at a certain point, you need to name the problem and move forward and do something. Even if it's not perfect, you need to, you need to act at some point, because if you're, if you're caught in that paralysis, then I don't think anything changes.
2: I definitely think that's true. And uh, Alexis used that word a little bit earlier too. And I, I think it's, um, paralysis can exist in, in multiple ways. It can be individuals working externally to try and, um, that internal paralysis, but could also result as us getting stuck in our own kind of phases of evaluating the data and the narratives and the information. I know when I first start, started grappling with these ideas of police, I'm a white guy, by the way, just for, for context, but I, um, I probably started grappling with ideas of social injustice and policing in college. I just wasn't exposed to it. I grew up in kind of a rural town and was lived a pretty sheltered life for a long time went to a big city for college and joined debate and started to kind of become exposed to these ideas and I know for the longest time I was just mad like I was so angry and that resulted mm-hmm. in me like yelling at my parents and like mm-hmm. getting into like big fights with my brothers and my grandparents and like it it was a it was um I was stuck in that like in that in that phase of rage uh and i you know i, I don't think that that's necessarily bad, but it definitely degraded some of the relationships that I had with my family, and it led to me being probably, it probably led to me having to do a lot more work to help them understand what was making me angry than if I had not gotten stuck in that phase. So I was less effective. Um, so it, it's, I don't know, it's a, it's really complicated from both the forces working against you and the forces working in our own heads as we try to like engage in these
1: movements. Uh, yeah. Thank you for sharing I, was, that. Yeah. I was like rigorously, Nodding or vigorously. Yeah.
2: Rigorously nodding. (laughs) Yeah. Very rigid. (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) Because it was the same for me. Like when I became a feminist, I was just immediately angry. And uh, I came home like literally just for Thanksgiving break. And I remember my family being like, wow college made you all liberal huh and it was just that and like they wrote me off and like I've said some things to family that I I won't even repeat here because like I'm literally so ashamed and it wasn't even necessarily like exactly what I meant but ultimately it's how they took things and that's what matters and um yeah I mean I really fucked myself uh in in that way because now I, I feel like I'm still earning back trust from certain family members and um so, yeah, and they're well within their rights to not trust to dialogue with me after some of the conversations that we've had. Um, and, yeah, like, I'll just, I would just change one thing Zach said, which is, like, he's he feels like he got stuck in the rage. I think it, like, that isn't as much the problem as how you express that and recognize, like, okay, if you are outraged, which you have a lot to be outraged about, be very measured like Mr. Barack Obama in how you express that because no one wins hearts and minds by lighting things on fire, as we've seen. Um, so, yeah, but no, like, I relate to that so much. And I think one thing that, like, I think we should remind ourselves of in this time of uncertainty where we're figuring out what the next step is and, like, we're overwhelmed almost with, like, choices and resources. Like, look to people Who have dedicated their lives to this very cause, like Samson Yahweh that we heard on 538. He's on a podcast called Pod Save the People. Any of those people, I think, you know, you can really trust what they have to say, um, and I think they're very credible. And just like clear your head and go look to the people who they didn't spend decades on this planet, kind of wasting time. They were born into this shit. They are brilliant. They're studied. They have great, you know, tactical instincts and strategies and they know the the best ways uh, to go about things and they know where to focus their energy. Um, and I think just like check in with that and ultimately keep those voices as your guidepost and know that like none of us here are in charge of this movement. Like we are just – foot soldiers in it and we need to kind of keep a clear just big picture vision of what our leaders are are saying and what they think you know um like for example with the protest that i was at yesterday like the organizer she just put it in in terms that were so clear and You know, she kept repeating to be peaceful and to stay peaceful. And I mean, they just, they know, like, they're so brilliant. It's like they're a step ahead. You know, they, they just, I don't know, they have minds that I can't even, like, I can't relate. Like, I don't know. But I think it's okay to just remind Mm -hmm. yourself, like, I'm not in charge of this. I don't have to be. You know, like, what, who who can I trust? Ascertain that, and then just check in and make sure that you're on the right track and you're putting your energy generally in the direction that it needs to go. Energy, money, like whatever, um, because it is confusing and it's hard and it can be overwhelming and just how many like options seemingly. Like over the last week, I found myself being like, okay, like well, where should I donate? Like where there's so many you know even just something as easy as that
0: yeah okay. every time you speak i am just blown away because i you, you conjure up so many things that i want to say and i think you you said that really well but um Thank one you. thing you you said was uh um if you want to win hearts and minds um and i think it's i think you know we could talk for three hours but just uh, I hope to make this point quickly. Um, so my father, especially, has 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 sort of latched onto this idea that there, are, um, a, there is a sophisticated um, and organized terrorist cell that's organizing violence under the cover of peaceful protests. So he's not saying that peaceful protests are bad. He's saying that Antifa, which is an anarchist um, organization, um, is. Is organized and is structured and has this violent agenda. And even if I believed that Antifa was as organized and persistent and dangerous as is being said by a lot of the right, if they were a terrorist organization on US soil, I would think that our experience with terrorist organizations would necessitate that we focus on social services, that we focus on access to clean uh, water and food in order to destabilize that that violent movement. Like, I, I think we've learned from the past two decades that it doesn't, showing overwhelming force and beating people and killing people is not the way to oppose a terrorist organization. It's to care for people and to make the types of institutional changes that make terrorist organizations seem toxic to everybody. So why, why are, even even if we were on that conversation, like, you should be investing in institutions and helping people to trust you. You shouldn't be dominating and attacking your own people. I don't know if that's worth it for the podcast. but it's No, I think that's a great point. Go ahead, Alexis.
1: I don't, like, how can we say that we've learned from the past two decades when literally this past week, President Trump used force against his own citizens while they were exercising their First Amendment right so he could take a picture? How can we say that we've come far? I'm literally...
2: I think the argument is, like, (laughs) we should have learned, right? Not that we have.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, but... Uh, never mind. I don't even want to get into the Antifa stuff because I'm still unclear on if they're even an organization at all. Like, I've heard that they're not an organization, it's just like an umbrella term that certain people do organize under.
2: Certain anarchists' identi- like, it, it's an anarchy group. For, I don't know. Like, it yeah, stands no. for
1: anti fascist. Who's and not yeah. anti? I'm yeah. anti fascist. All Am the anti
2: I know people that identify as Antifa and they're just like guys with big beards and hipster glasses drinking their lattes. Like they're not the most dangerous people in the world. Um, but like, that's a great, interesting point. And I think that this, this uh, chaos has led to plenty of conspiracy, little, little kickback to our last episode about what's happening out there. You have people that believe it's just Antifa, right? That are causing this looting and whatever. If you look at the reporting on this, they 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 arrested Proud Boys who were part of a Nazi group for looting in what was it Phoenix or it was one of the cities where it was like no it was a far right group now that is using this guise of protest to go loot and try and delegitimize the narrative
0: of the protesters
2: in Minneapolis the the governor said I don't remember which day this was I need to look up the article to fact check it but some 20 plus people were arrested that were looting from out of state so you know again. Not protesters destroying their community, but maybe some mm-hmm. kind of more organized uh, thing. But also in, in Merced, uh, we have two gangs, the Norteños and Sereños. Uh, it's a small town in California. And we had a couple of stores looted during protests. And then it was found that at least one of them was connected to the local gangs, right? And so I, I think that that's a, it's an interesting point, And there's so many conflicting... There's a lot of people with negative intentionality that are not there for the cause of the protests that are causing violence. I do not necessarily think they are all connected under one guy's, one cabal that's organized and going out to every different city, right? I think you have some Nazis that are out there looting. You have some like gangs that are out there looting, none of which are probably Actually engaged or connected to Black Lives Matter or groups that are organizing these
0: protests. And can we just remember? I mean, the flu kills fifty thousand people per year. So let's not let's not overreact to.
2: Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, (laughs) man, that was very
0: fucking cheek. Not saying that's our standard.
2: But I mean, like, this goes, we were having a little bit of discussion before we started the podcast, and this is why I'm, like, so skeptical of policing in general. They're so concerned about property rights and, like,
0: property damage. Like, as fucking as libertarians a lot here, of the time. Man. What's yeah. that? As are libertarians a lot of the time. Like, unfortunately, libertarian, that whole political group is primarily like, focused on property rights.
1: Tax best friends.
2: I think some are and some aren't. Okay. Yeah, not that's not one of those
1: libertarians. <laughs> I'm not a libertarian.
2: <laughs> libertarians are stupid, dude. They think you shouldn't have a driver's license to drive. Like that's dumb. you fucking kidding me? Like sounds like
0: state overreach uh, to me.
2: Don't paint me with a broad brush. I just think that they have some pretty legitimate criticisms of the state and state agencies.
0: Mm-hmm. So what do we think about this? Humble yourself. Get educated while you're finding people who you can trust. Donate if you're able. Keep checking in and vote.
2: And be That's informed about your good. local issues, man. Like, if there's one or people, if there's one thing that I could take away from the Obama article, it's that the local level is much more connected to policing than the federal.
0: Mm-hmm. There yeah.
2: are the people <laughs> that negotiate contracts. There are the people that appoint DAs and what. Or you know, you vote for DAs, but yeah, local is much more equipped to handle this problem.
1: Another thing that I'll say is that if you are someone who has um, close friends uh, that are people of color, specifically black people in this specific um, issue, that checking in with them is, I think, probably a nice thing to do. I mentioned, like, the racial weathering and just the – I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to to just live, like, your whole entire life as a Black person in this society. So I think, like, checking in is, is good. And also, on the flip side of that, like, remember that you should not be commodifying the people of color in your life. Um, they are not – products at your disposal to educate you Um, always get like consent might be a weird way of putting that but always you know if you are going to ask them for their thoughts on something or bounce something off of them that is not free that is absolutely not free that is mental and emotional work for that person and so just yeah I would say like definitely embrace your relationships with those people and like be there for them and definitely uh value their insight and wisdom on things but not to a degree where you're like dehumanizing them because you're treating them like google like we have an actual google okay um and and to be clear you you've never done that to me rotor because i feel like you might be like oh no have i done that you've never done that to me um i would i would tell you if you had um but yeah, that would be another thing. Like be there for them as human beings, check in with them, whatever. Uh, but also don't like bounce ideas off of them relentlessly cause that shit ain't free.
0: Totally.
2: One, one last point I wanted to like just circle back on the article. Um, Obama is, is measured and I think that that is very uh, closely related to his specific perspective. I think we haven't talked about this a lot, but Obama is an African-American guy and was the first black president. And I don't know what he really thinks, but I think that he's very aware of his social positioning and the political calculus that he has to make before he speaks on things because he he probably has to be more measured or people will think that they'll delegitimize him, right? Back in 2016, he did an article with the New Yorker and Alexis is going to love this because we've talked about this quite a bit in the past. But he talked about how big democratic societies work He said, they're like ocean liners. You turn the wheel slowly and the big ship pivots. Sometimes your job is to make stuff work. Sometimes the task of government is to make incremental improvements or to try and steer the the ocean liner two degrees north or south of that. So that 10 years from now, suddenly we're in a much different place than we were. Um, He said, at the moment, people may feel like we need a 50 degree turn. We uh, we We don't need a two degree turn. And you say, well, if I turn 50 degrees, the whole ship turns over. And I don't know how relevant this is to this specific moment, because it feels like we're in a moment where we can spin the wheel probably 10 or 20 degrees. There's the, there's the political and the social support for something like that. But I think that this quote is very indicative of the perspective that he takes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think Obama really does understand that history is long. And like Alexis said, for you to make lasting change, hearts and minds are the priority. You have to convince people if you're to continue to make change into the future that's lasting and doesn't go away when we elect some, you know, reality TV show star.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, we've talked about that a lot. It frustrates me, but there's obviously truth in that. I, I I can't lie and say that there's not. And when I initially read this article, that's something I commented on was like, wow, like, I wanna know how obama talks about this with michelle when they're in bed like i want to know what he's saying because i love i mean he's obviously an incredible public speaker i remember his comments after sandy hook were just pretty like just incredible like out of this world what i
2: said yeah and after and after michael brown too i mean he just he meets the moment yeah
1: he does Um, So I would love to, like, just – but, you know, he doesn't have the privilege, for one, to just say whatever he's thinking or tweet whatever he's thinking uh, and then deny it, like, the next day. Um, He doesn't have that privilege, and obviously I'm sure he's concerned with his legacy to some degree and doesn't want his whole eight years to be delegitimized by one thing that he may say wrong, quote-unquote. But I I, I really do, especially reading the article a second time, like, I think – it was measured but also like it wasn't annoyingly like ambiguous as so many things are it was very like to the point like you need to be concerned with local elections i think he said that turnout is usually pitifully low so like a good call out that's that's true um and he he was great with like you know signposting the certain and it was a short article i mean i think it was very effective. And I think that I agree with Zach in that it wasn't like wildly out of character for the way that he's discussed institutional change like up to this point. But I would hope that in this moment we can handle 10 or 20% instead of 2.
2: Well, I think what from not that my perspective matters or is right, but I think that we've probably had a lot of two-degree turns in the last, like, ten years, right? And this is that coming to a head. Like, we are now at a spot where we're kind of in a different place and yeah. can afford to make bigger changes because of the history of smaller changes that we've made to get here.
1: I hope so. I Obama, hope ends all, the article. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I hope all these young people listen to Billie Eilish and go fucking boat.
2: Seriously. Like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obama ends it with let's get to work. So like, no, let's I'm,
1: get to work. Yeah, totally.
0: yeah. Everybody
2: go vote.
0: Do it. Register. Vote.org or vote.gov. Is it vote.gov? You gotta yeah,
2: get that right. right. <laughs> that's
0: uh, vote.gov, folks.
1: <laughs> but right. uh, if you have thoughts, email us or... Come on to our Facebook page and let us know. Uh, we have I mean, I at least really do want that. I'm not just saying that. Like, I actually do want to know what your thoughts are on not only Obama's article, uh, but also what the three of us idiots had to say about it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, let's leave it there. Thank you, Alexis.
2: And reader, beware.
0: And thank you.
1: Bye. <laughs> <laughs>